everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You have found me at my little corner of the internet. This is Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today is Tuesday, April 13th. So many things happening in the news today, and I'm going to try to cover some of them. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So I hope you guys are having a great Tuesday. We've got some amazing weather here in the Pacific Northwest. And in fact, I heard that by the weekend, it's going to be in the 80s. And everyone around here is like in Moleville. You know, like this is how I always feel like a mole that's coming out from the dirt after a long winter. (laughs) And so I don't know about you guys, but if you live around here, rejoice with me. I'm pretty excited that we can see that summer is on its way here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And I am going to be not here. For part of this weekend, I will be in South Dakota for the Mache Conference. I cannot wait to be there. That's the Minnesota Conference that rightly relocated to the freer state of South Dakota. I hope you guys make the effort to come there. I'll be flying in on Thursday, and I cannot wait to see you. If you want more information or to get tickets, you can find more information at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. You guys are so awesome. You're continuing to send me stories of what you're doing to get off the bench and onto the battlefield, and I'm going to read some of them. I'm going to try reading them every single day. This one came from Jamie in Nebraska. She said, I just wanted Heidi to know that I've gotten off the bench this year by pulling my two kids out of public school. We decided to buy a camper, and my husband and I took the kids to Texas for the winter. The experience was life-changing. I love it. Jamie, can I just tell you? When my husband and I pulled our daughter Savannah out of the public school, remember Savannah being the oldest of our seven, uh, it was life-changing for us. It literally changed our lives for the better. It changed our family life for the better. It changed our children for the better. It bettered their education in every single way. It was better. So I'm excited, Jamie, uh, to hear your story of getting off the bench. Sharon from New Hampshire said, thanks for your podcast interview with Rick Green. Well, you're welcome, Sharon. Guess what? Rick Green's coming back on the show with me this Thursday. Woot, woot. It's going to be good. So much going on. I was texting him the other day and I was like, dude, we got to talk. So we figured we'll talk on the show. That'll be fun, right? Sharon went on to say, I learned about Patriot Academy and I'm holding my first Constitution Alive class with our homeschool co-op, middle and high schoolers. I'm so excited to learn more about our Constitution and our duty to protect our rights. I'm planning on offering more Patriot Academy classes for adults as well. I love that, Sharon. I super love it. You guys, you have a responsibility to protect the freedom that has been so hard fought for in this country. And I think for many, many years, we haven't been protecting it. We've been, you know, just kind of sitting and soaking and souring in it, right? We just expect that it will always be that way. But you guys can see now that it's not true, that we can actually very quickly lose our freedom. And uh, we're definitely watching that happen in so many ways. We're watching a lot of things happen right now that I think are troubling on just a hundred different levels. And we're making our decisions based on fear. I've talked about this a lot today. We're going to talk about the woke church. So much going on in the news right now. And a lot of it has to do with the woke church. And I've called the woke church, the broke church. It's broken. And in many cases, I believe broken beyond repair, and those churches need to just stop being churches. 
right? I mean, if they can't actually be the church that Jesus asked us to be, then they need to not do it at all. And I think it's it's contributing to the fact that we're seeing so many people make decisions in this country right now based on fear. And I'm going to get more to that in a minute. But some of what needs to happen right now is there needs to be confrontation. The woke church needs to be confronted. And Jesus wasn't afraid of confrontation. We see this all over Scripture. If you look in Luke chapter 13 and 14, that's a really good example of Jesus confronting the scribes and the Pharisees. He didn't avoid them. And in fact, he often spent time with them. Right? And I think it's easy for us to want to hang out with people that think like we do and talk like we do, and we put ourselves in a bit of an echo chamber. But Jesus didn't do that. He hung out with people that were critical of him and even suspicious of him. They watched his every move. And on top of it, he not only hung out with them, he had the courage to heal them. He healed one dude on the Sabbath. And then he went right out and confronted the Pharisees on it. Let's look at that. Luke chapter 14, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking a hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. And then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come to you and say, give this person your seat. And then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move to a better place, and then you'll be honored in the presence of the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus speaking, by the way, at the home of a Pharisee when he's saying all of these things. And he didn't have, he he wasn't afraid to say, this is what's going on. It takes courage right now to speak the truth. I mean, for goodness sake, it takes courage just to walk into the grocery store without a mask on your face. And speaking of a mask on your face, did you guys happen to see Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, with Dr. Scott Atlas and two other uh, well-known and well-read and well-published physicians talking about how ridiculous the lockdowns are? It's important right now, as we have these conversations to remember that it takes courage. And we can see a, a study in courage just by watching the Lord Jesus, how he lived his life and how he wasn't afraid to step out and be a part of the, of the conversation that was happening. We need to tell the truth. And for me, I started telling the truth about how I feel about the Rona. You know, this time last year, I was, I, we were just at the beginning of this thing, right? We were about, what, a month into it? And I just, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And uh, Dr. Fauci, or Father Fauci, as we like to call him here at the show, he lost the trust of many of us a long time ago. And the way that he praised uh, New York's COVID-19 response was one of the, the very last straws for me. 
He violated the mask mandate, right? We saw him do, he's, he's advocating for double masking. Even though he knows there, there's no data to prove it ever worked at all. He, he wrongly predicted that Texas was going to see an explosion in cases after the state opened. And yet the left treats him like he's some sort of medical god. It's amazing to me. He's been the number one poster child for masking and social distancing post-vaccination. It's garbage. We're hurting our kids, by the way. I read an article on PJ Media. I'll link back to it in the show notes today. It says that there are cracks emerging in Fauci's untouchable status. Nate Silver said, quote, it's pure gaslighting at this point to say that we don't know whether vaccinated people spread the virus. Tons of studies, including from the CDC, show that vaccines massively reduce, although will not entirely eliminate, transmission of the virus. Now, I'm no fan of uh, of the vaccine, but what I'm pointing out to you is the inconsistencies in the arguments that are coming from these people that we have elevated to statuses that they should never have had in the first place. And, and uh, Ron DeSantis, the amazing governor of Florida, had the courage to bring Dr. Scott Atlas on and a couple of her people on Monday, and I watched that press conference live. It's linked at my Facebook page, and I'll link to it in the show notes today also so you guys can watch it. But he has these doctors saying the, the data is in. It doesn't work. You guys need to take off your masks. I was just in uh, central Oregon where the tyrannical Kate Brown has dropped them back down to a mass hysteria. When are we going to start calling these guys out? When are we going to st- we're, we're hurting our kids. I got on an airplane the other day. And there was a mom right in front of me who had a little boy with her and they were, you know, masked up and, and, and the whole thing. Cause you know, you gotta, you gotta look like you're in a pandemic if you're going to get on an airplane. And she finds her seat, which is just one row in front of me. And she tries to get this little boy to sit down and he will not sit down. Now there's really nothing unusual about that. I fly, you know, I've been flying my whole life. But what was unusual is the reason that this little boy wouldn't sit down. He was so afraid that COVID was going to get him, that COVID was on the seat. And the mom is frantically wiping down his seat. She's frantically spraying it with, you know, I'm sure something that's not any better for him, right? And he's crying and he's saying, no, mama, no, mama, the virus, the virus. And she's like, sweetheart, I, I wiped it down. This is a little kid. You guys, statistically, statistics are bearing out that the younger generation is terrified of the virus because they are accustomed to believing everything they hear on the mainstream media, and it needs to stop. We're making these little, these little, little ones afraid of each other. They're afraid of other human beings, and it's it's amazing to me. I, I just, uh, it's stunning. And the only way this is going to stop is if the people who are listening to this go, hey, we're not going to play your dumb little game anymore. It's been over a year. We're talking about a virus with a 99.9% survival rate, and they're bossing us around and herding us like cattle. Are you guys what's, are watching what's going on right now in uh, Alberta, Canada? So I've been telling you the story of Pastor James Coates. This was the, the Canadian pastor who was arrested and spent weeks in prison because he wouldn't stop preaching. Canada's like straight up on fire, but Canada is a socialist country. And unless we want to turn into Canada or worse, we better wake up right now. So they release Pastor Coates from prison, right? He's still pending trial. And then a couple of days ago, 
the officials there shut down the church by erecting a chain-link metal fence around the building. In an Instagram post from uh, Pastor James Coates' wife, Erin, she said, this is what happens when you have freedom of religion in a free and democratic society. They jail your pastor for freely opening the doors of the church and serving Christ's sheep and hurting people. Now they've changed the they've chained the doors of Grace Life Church in closing in closing in chain link fencing. Horrible. Is this is this what you guys want in Canada? I mean, I've spoken in Canada many many times, and I told them years ago we started seeing some very troubling things happen. And I remember talking to some of my Canadian friends when I was there about what was happening in their government, and many of them came and said, "Don't talk about what's happening in the government." She said, "We're we're not." We're not like Americans. We don't like to make any noise. You guys better start making some noise. You better start making some noise. On Monday, the protesters, so just yesterday, started pulling down the fences. And they're clashing with police. They've closed the church. You guys, they've closed the church. So as of the time of this recording, a thousand people were gathering and pulling down the fences around this church. It's crazy for a virus with a 99.9% survival rate. Why don't we do this for the flu? I mean, we're, we're, in, we're just, we're in trouble. My friends in Canada are really in trouble. Coates being accused of violating the, quote, Alberta Public Health Act. We got to start, we got to start speaking out. This wokeness, this ridiculousness that we see around us right now is going to hurt us and it will require courage to speak out against it. Speaking of courage, I had a friend of mine, Ginger Hubbard actually texted me this morning pictures of a new devotional. Have you guys seen? It's a best-selling devotional at Target right now. You guys know I don't have any love for Target, right? But these contributors to a devotional book that features a prayer that asks God for help to, quote, hate white people. Isn't that crazy? So screenshots are going around now about this devotional book. It's called A Rhythm of Prayer, a Collection of Meditations for Renewal. That doesn't sound like renewal to me. So people have been sending me these images. It's just a devotional that we found in Target. And this kind of thinking, you guys, is a direct result of critical race theory. It's completely anti-biblical. It should never, ever. I mean, for goodness sake, you guys, if we'd said, please help me hate black people, we'd be uh, tarred and feathered. And crucified on social media, and rightfully so. So why aren't people so upset about uh, someone saying, please help me, uh, dear God, please help me to hate white people? This is the prayer of a weary black woman. Dear God, please help me to hate white people, or at least to want to hate them. At least I want to stop caring about them individually and collectively. I want to stop caring about their misguided racist souls, to stop believing that they can be better so they can stop being racist. (laughs) Wow! We, this is the woke church. This is what the woke church has gotten us. It went on to say, my prayer is that you would help me to hate the other white people. You know, the nice ones. The Fox News loving Trump supporting voters who, quote, don't see color, but who make thinly veiled racist comments about, quote, those people. The people who are happy to have me over for dinner, but alert the neighborhood watch anytime an unrecognized person of color passes their house. The people who welcome black people into their churches and small groups, but brand us as heretics if we suggest that Christianity is concerned with the poor and the oppressed. This is garbage, garbage, garbage. 
This is part of the woke church, by the way. Woke church is the broke church. And it needs to be confronted, and it needs to be addressed, and it needs to be rooted out. And unless and until we do that, we're going to keep struggling. Do you guys see, we, I was talking to my, uh, my kids this morning about an article that I read. So this dude used to write for Desiring God. And uh, he's decided that he's no longer a Christian, right? So add him to the long list of celebrity evangelicals who are coming out and saying, never mind. I, I was just kidding. I-, I don't actually believe, I don't believe in God anymore. That Christianity thing, it was just, you know, it was just a thing I was doing for a little while. Not actually doing it anymore. Reminds me of First John chapter 2, verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. And that's that's what I think. My friend Ken Ham wrote, I believe that God is drawing a clear line between the true church and a false one. The true church is going to be smaller, but it will be stronger. Paul Maxwell studied at institutions that compromise with evolution and or millions of years, and so his foundation was no doubt shaky and would have contributed to what is happening now. He was a professor at Moody, spoke at Wheaton, wrote articles for the Gospel Coalition, of which you guys know I'm really no fan of, and Desiring God. Sad, but what impact will his rejection of Christianity now have on those who he influenced and built relationships with? Second Peter chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, for it would have been better for them to never have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow after washing herself returns to wallow in the mire. The woke church is starting to bear the fruit, the rotten fruit of rotten doctrine. It matters, you guys. It matters that we're teaching our children how to study God's word. It matters that we're teaching them the foundations of it. And let your kids ask the questions. The Bible can stand up to your questions. The doubt isn't wrong. Let your kids talk about the things that they, that that trouble them or that they're not sure about. But I, I continue to believe that as long as we are embracing what is now obvious racism, we're going to continue to have massive, massive issues inside the church. And I'm terribly grieved by what we see happening in our churches with regard to things that God says absolutely are wrong. Racism is wrong on every level. It is wrong when it is against black people. It is wrong when it's against white people. Racism is wrong. We moved so far. I mean, uh, Martin Luther King's me rolling in his grave right now. What happened to not known for the for the color of your skin, but for the content of your character? We moved so far away from that. It's hard to even see it in the rearview mirror. And to the people that are sharing the images of these books, I say keep keep sharing them. These these devotionals are completely anti-biblical, and they're pushing critical race theory. Ariel Gonzalez Bovat, or Bovet, I don't know how she says that, who describes herself on Twitter as a counselor and theologian, said, quote, it's a tra- travesty this kind of writing comes from a former clinical psychologist turned, quote, ordained minister. Under no context should these words be an acceptable method of expression for professing Christians. I agree. Upon discovering that excerpts of her book were circulating online, 
Ms. Walker Barnes defended her writing, quote, I took my rage to God in prayer. I owned it. I was truthful to God about what I was struggling with, and I prayed for God not to let anger and hatred overwhelm me, me," she said in a tweet on April the 5th. I prayed to be a true biblical mandate for peace, justice, and reconciliation, even though I don't think it's possible. Keep in mind that this book has been edited by a progressive author named Sarah Bessie. And she's defending the book. She's defending this uh, this prayer for God to help uh, the author hate white people. She wrote, while some might consider the request to God for help to hate white people, quote, to be a provocative start to a prayer, its intentional extraction from the rest of the prayer obscures its context and the biblical model. It's what? I, I can't even. What is she even saying? It's like playing a game of ring around the ro- <laughs> ring around the rosy. We're playing the game, but we don't know why. We don't actually even know what the song means. And then when we find out what it means, we're like, "Ooh, that's not okay." We got to do better than this. If you're listening to this today and you're going to a progressive church, if your pastors are woke, if we, if you guys aren't allowed to ask questions, if you're not allowed to to be discerning to start to think for yourself, it's probably time to find another church. Because what's coming out of the woke church is hurting people. It's hurting the cause of Christ. Actually, if forget just the fact that it's hurting people. It's hurting the gospel, and the gospel is what saves people. I, I was blessed, and I'm, I'm out of time, so I'm going to wrap this up. But I was blessed this last weekend to speak for the People's Church in Salem. And I often do an hour of Q&A, depending on how long I'm at an event. And so we did this hour of Q&A, and so many of the questions were about mask mandates and pastors telling their parishioners that they're not godly unless they wear a mask and all kinds of things. And we must be discerning. We cannot twist scripture, taking it out of context, forgetting the heart and message of the gospel. Jesus came to reconcile us to God the Father. That was his mission. And in so doing, he modeled what it looks like to walk with God, to be faithful and obedient to death, even death on a cross. He risked everything telling the truth. He told the truth in love over and over and over again. And today it requires courage to tell the truth. We need to stop making our decisions based on fear, fear of man. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Nelson Mandela once said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. A brave man is not he who says he does not feel afraid. It is he who conquers that fear. And I've told you guys before, my grandmother used to say to me, you know, Heidi, you can do anything, just do it afraid. And so if you're if you're uh, wrestling with these things right now, it's all right to wrestle it to the ground. The Lord can handle it. Take it to the Lord in prayer. But we, we need to get back to what the, the Bible is all about, what the gospel is all about, and away from this progressivism that's actually killing the, uh, the ministry that the church is supposed to have. And this is why you're going to see, I think, even more of these, uh, these woke progressive Christians, so-called Christians, walking away publicly from their faith. And while we can't know the heart of someone, the Bible says, Jesus said, you can judge a tree by, by its fruit. And what we're seeing right now is the rotten fruit of rotten doctrine in the church. We're not here to entertain people. We're not here to have awesome, you know, uh, light shows and smoke on Sunday morning. The church's mission is to share the gospel, to spread the gospel, to disciple people in the ways of the Lord, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a broken world. 
If the church was doing its job, you guys, we wouldn't need social services. Oh, and by the way, if the church was doing its job, Father, Jesus said, you know, God said, I'm I'm the father to the fatherless. The church has, we are supposed to be speaking out for those who are suffering, those who are staggering away to their deaths. What's the first place that that's happening is in the abortion clinics across this country, right? The only places in the whole world where we know every day we can, we can uh, time it to the very minute that people are scheduled to die. There are so many ways that we can get involved right now, so many ways that we can use our voices to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. And the woke church is not doing what it is called to do. The woke church is the broke church. And we have an opportunity to change the narrative. And by the grace of God, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to keep speaking the truth and as long as the Lord gives me breath. And I'm so thankful to hear from so many of you who are doing the same thing. I'm out of time today, but I wanted to let you guys know, again, we're so thankful for those of you who are supporting this podcast financially. Michelle from New Jersey wrote in, Heidi, I'm so blessed by your ministry as you bravely stand firm in the culture. You've given me the courage to do the same. Thank you, Michelle. We appreciate that. We greatly appreciate the reviews you guys are leaving for Becoming MomStrong and the other books that I have written over at Amazon and other places where books are sold. I want to remind you that when you leave those reviews, it really does help us to get the word out. Also, for those of you who are uh, purchasing books from us, all of those things, you know, we're getting back on our feet after a whole year's worth of having uh, our income taken away from us. And I think it's interesting to note, and I, I don't want to leave without saying this, because this would have been, should have been, one of the hardest financial years that we have ever had at this ministry. And praise the Lord for the listeners at this show. Many of you who came alongside us and started supporting this ministry financially, and not only did we survive financially, the Rona, but God has allowed us to continue having at least eight people on staff here that are helping with the podcast and other things that are happening in the middle of all that, this, right? I decided to run for Congress and that's been challenging as well, but we see the Lord in all of it. The Lord is in it. And we are so grateful for you guys and, and for your partnership with us and for your help. If you guys are interested, by the way, in my run for Congress, check it out, HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. We're learning a lot. I'm brand new to this, and I'm having opportunity to go out and meet the men and women that live in this district. And I have to say, I am I am loving it. I, I love it here. And I keep telling you guys, so many people keep saying, well, it's terrible there in Washington State. You should just leave. I will not be driven from my home. And you should not be driven from your home. You guys, as much as I love uh, Florida and Governor DeSantis, you know, because everyone keeps saying move to Florida. And boy, I'll tell you what, I've been tempted a few times. Florida is only one legislative session, only one election away from having a terrible governor. We've got to stay and fight for the homes that we love, for the country that we love, for the place that God put us, every single one of us off the bench and onto the battlefield. That is the call of this generation. We're up against a lot. We're up against critical race theory. We're up against indoctrination in our schools. We're up against uh, socialism infringing on our freedom. We're up against uh, big tech silencing us. But I want to remind you before I leave today, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If you guys know Jesus, you have access to the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's what the Bible teaches. And when the Bible tells you something, you guys can take it to the bank. All right. I hope you guys have a great day. Remember my friend, the Patriot 
Rick Green's going to be on the show with me this Thursday. It's going to be a great time. And tomorrow we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about the headlines. I'm going to take your questions. Some more of you uh, writing in about being off the bench. If you want to share your off the bench story, you go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'll see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.